0: Welcome to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. Hello, welcome to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. I'm Leanne Spencer, and we've got a solo show for you this week, and we're going to be talking about the 10 ways to get more sleep and wake up feeling energised. So I'm going to give you some really tangible, practical tips on how to get more sleep. But before that, just want to update you on some of the latest news and what's been going on with us. So, last weekend, my co-founder Antonio and I went. we were in New York City. Um, we were there predominantly as a pleasure trip, but we thought we'd try out a few things that relate to um, to some of the philosophies of what we do at Bodyshot. So, we did a few things I want to share with you. Um, one which we did a couple of times, in fact, was we visited a place called Soul Cycle. And for those of you who haven't heard of it, it's basically it's a spinning class, but it's in a dark room, darkened room. Um, You've got it's a really funky vibrant environment. They're all over New York. Unfortunately, they're not in London yet or in the UK and you've got banging music. Some of it a little bit more. um, I mean, we walked into Crosby, Stills and Nash, but then it gets into really sort of banging dance music and, um, and pop. But they have this curious blend of high intensity interval training on the spinning bikes and mindfulness and meditation. So you come out of it feeling really, really chilled out. It's, it's great. And we were chocker full of endorphins and absolutely loved it. There is something in London, if you're listening to this from London, or you're near London, called Cycle, P-S-Y-C-L-E. And they're based in Canary Wharf and a couple other locations in London. But that was fantastic. And I think that that blend of meditation and mindfulness combined with high-intensity interval training is going to be one of the future trends for 2018. We already do that with some of our stuff. We blend some of the physical work that we do personally um, and with our clients with more of a a meditation sequence. So five minutes at the end of my sessions, for example, where we just sit and breathe and it really adapts the nervous system from sympathetic to parasympathetic really nicely. And more on that later. So have a look out for Cycle if you're London based and keep an eye out for that blend, that mashup of high intensity and meditation strength mindfulness. That's gonna be one of the trends for 2018. And one of the other things we did when we were out there is try something called cryotherapy. And this was really cool. I'll post some pictures onto the show notes. But essentially, it's all about recovery, um, repairing and strengthening the immune system, um, helping you get more energized. And what you do is you go into a small, almost like a shower cubicle, but it's more um, chunky than that. And they reduce the temperature down uh, using dry, um, dry cold, if you like. To minus seventy-eight degrees Celsius, and you stand in this thing with nothing but some knickers on, uh, some gloves, and some footwear, just to keep the extremities warm for three minutes. I was actually in there for four minutes because they attempt- they were bringing the temperature down a little bit more. I wanted to see if I could endure it, uh, and yet you do feel very energized afterwards. I had some DOMS in my legs from the Soul Cycle class that had gone. Really interesting experience. Um, I've looked for it back here in London and it's expensive. It's about 180 quid for three minutes. So that's, that's not gonna be accessible for many, including me. But an interesting concept. Um, people like Tony Robbins, the life coach, he jumps into a cryotherapy chamber, uh, I think most days, particularly when he's touring all over the world with his um, Unleash the Power Within conference. And a lot of uh, biohackers and Silicon Valley executives are also using cryotherapy. Perhaps that will come down in cost, but that was certainly an interesting concept. You can actually hack some of the benefits of cryotherapy by just having a cold shower every morning or even splashing face, uh, sorry, splashing your face with cold water. So you don't need to go to that sort of financial expense all those lengths necessarily. But it's not as cold as you might think. So I'll post some pictures for that into the show notes. And the last thing we did I want to share with you is we went to a talk by Dr. Wendy Suzuki, who's a professor of neuroscience and psychology in New York and it's, it's something that actually builds intellectual nightlife so it was Saturday night and there we were in this small basement bar um, in a place called caveat in New York listening to dr. Wendy Suzuki give this this talk and she opened up by putting on some latex gloves and pulling something out of a box and it was a human brain this brain is over 20 years old it's been in the lab as long as she has but um, absolutely fascinating the talk was brilliant she talked a lot about the benefits of exercise on the brain um, and I actually got to hold this brain afterwards as well, um, which was a, a great experience. I mean, to hold a brain that's very heavy as well, surprisingly so, that's kind of taken someone in different directions, made decisions, had intuition, um, that just an incredible thing to do really, perhaps not for everyone. We're actually going to get Dr. Wendy Suzuki on the show, I'm hoping, in the next few weeks um, to talk specifically about the benefits of exercise on the brain um, and some other related topics. So look out for that, super excited about that one. And one other thing, I just want to let you know about our blog. We publish a weekly blog, which you can access on our website, www.bodyshopperformance.com forward slash resources. And you'll see there a whole archive of about two years' worth of blog content. And when you go on the website, you'll also be prompted to sign up for our newsletter. It's a monthly newsletter. Um, We cover our fitness tips, um, a little introduction from me, recommended reading, Uh, Body Shop Health Bites, we give you a recipe, really worth doing. So we send you a weekly blog and a monthly newsletter. We don't send you anything else apart from that. So jump on the website, I'll link to it in the show notes and consume some of our content by video or long form on the website. Okay, so to today's podcast, 10 ways to get more sleep and wake up feeling energised and here it is. So we, we talk about Six Signals concept in all the work that we do. Um, And you'll have heard this if you're a regular listener. We talk about the six signals a lot. Those signals are sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion and fitness. And we think they are the six key indicators of health. But they're also the six areas where people tend to have issues. And sleep, I believe, is the force multiplier. So if you're looking to get more energy or improve your fitness or reduce or increase your body composition, it's very difficult to do unless you're sleeping well. It's absolutely the most important thing. It's... um, anabolic. In other words, it promotes growth and repair. So sleep, super important. Um, not only does it promote growth and repair of cells, muscles, just about everything in the body, but it's also, it also helps us to rest, helps us to recover. Um, it helps the brain to defrag. So there are certain phases of sleep that specifically help the brain to sort out memories, consolidate learning, and all that kind of important stuff. And it's really one of the most key, key components of health. But so many people have issues with sleep. So I want to explore a little bit about why that is and what you can do about it. And also explore what what is a sleep disorder? Because I find when I talk to people about sleep, oh yeah, I sleep sleep well. And then when you drill down, actually they don't. They're up a lot in the night. Um, They may have trouble getting to sleep, staying asleep, or just not getting enough hours. But compared to their mates or their colleagues, they're actually getting a little bit more, so they think they're doing okay. And it's tricky. There's lots of things set up in our environment now, technology being a key one that doesn't help with sleep. It actually inhibits it. And I'll talk a lot more about that in this coming podcast episode. So let's talk first about what controls sleep. Um, And it comes down to something called a circadian rhythm. And what controls the circadian rhythm is actually a little part of the brain called the hypothalamus and something within that called the suprachiasmatic nucleus. That is what actually dictates our circadian rhythm. But what a circadian rhythm is, it's basically the pattern of sleep and it's the body's natural clock, if you like, the biological clock for sleeping and waking. Let me take you back to caveman times. And when the caveman and cavewoman woke up in the morning, they'd have been woken up by the sunlight or natural light flooding the mouth of the cave. Hormonally, what was going on for them is that their serotonin was at its highest, serotonin being a a neurotransmitter that's responsible for feeling good, basically. It's believed that a lack of serotonin could be a a key contributor towards depression so we need good uh, supplies of serotonin and the body naturally has high amounts of that in the morning because we need to be feeling good about the day we want to be set up well cortisol which is the stress hormone which is a positive and negative is also at its highest in the morning and about 30 minutes after waking we get another little boost of serotonin as well so cortisol is at its highest so we're up we're ready and prepared for the day serotonin is high so we're feeling good about getting started and then that cave woman or cave man would have gone out they'd have firstly made sure that there was no immediate threat outside the cave and they'd have gone about their business washing foraging scurrying around the camp gone out to hunt or perhaps gone out and been hunted and come back really after a furious burst of activity as the day would have progressed and the sun would have dropped and melatonin, another hormone, would have been produced, and that's produced by a part of the brain called the pineal gland. So serotonin now is dipping slightly, cortisol certainly has come down throughout the course of the day, and melatonin has come into play, which has been triggered by the sundown. And those those cave people would have then lit a fire for the last few hours of their evening and gone to bed. So that, that, if you like, is a healthy circadian rhythm. It's dictated by natural light and hormones, and we kind of follow the sun. The hormones follow the sun so that we're alert in the morning and we're ready for bed. Lots of melatonin being produced in the evening. Now, that's kind of gone wrong for us with the invention of one thing, which has helped us enormously, but has also really been a huge game changer in the way in which we we live our lives. And that thing is the natural, uh, sorry, the light bulb. Nothing natural about it. Um, And the light bulb changed the way that we operated. It meant that we could do shift work it meant that we could prolong our evenings far longer than we do. Um, and the light bulb contains something called blue light, which is a frequency, not a color. And blue light is also found in your smartphones, in your televisions, on your Macs, your PCs, your tablets, every electronic device, even some of the Kindles. And that's a problem because blue light suppresses melatonin. And there are many, many studies that have proven this. So if we over consume devices or content on devices and we're looking at these things too long particularly in the latter part of the day it can suppress the production of melatonin which can cause problems when it comes to getting to sleep or what we call sleep latency how quickly you drop off into sleep so that's one of the big big problems Um, some of the disorders we find in sleep uh, include things like having trouble falling asleep insomnia which is the one most people think of when they think about sleep disorders Difficulty waking up in the morning, snoring, having nightmares, sleepwalking, sleep apnea or simply just getting up once or twice in the night to use the loo. A lot of people accept that as a normal part of a, of a sleep pattern but it isn't. We should be asleep and moving in and out of different phases of sleep um, throughout the evening uninterrupted. So what are the phases of sleep then? Well, sleep is comprised of, of three primary phases really light sleep at high level, REM sleep, and deep sleep. And what happens is initially we fall into light sleep, which is followed by deep sleep, which is followed by REM sleep, and then the cycles continue. A cycle is approximately 90 minutes, and most people need something like five sleep cycles a night. And five sleep cycles equates to seven and a half hours sleep. That isn't the case for everyone. There You do get people who say they thrive very well on four or five hours a night. Margaret Thatcher was a famous one. Um, I met somebody on a panel the other month who said that they got on very well with four or five hours sleep. And I have to say they didn't look tired and they looked healthy. But there are very, very few people with that genetic variation that means that they can thrive, not survive, on four to five hours sleep. Most of us need anything from seven to nine hours a night. Very few people are getting that. So the different phases of sleep. Light sleep is, as the name suggests, it's a light sleep. Um, It drops you down into deep sleep, which is the most restorative kind of sleep. That's where a lot of the growth and repair will happen. REM sleep is where you get more of the memory and learning consolidation. And that stands for rapid eye movement. So literally, if you're watching someone in a REM sleep phase, you'll see their eyes flickering from side to side. And then you'll move into light sleep and back into another phase of sleep. And that that brings me to tip number one, actually. How you can improve your sleep is to change how you think about sleep. Instead of thinking about total number of hours, so I need seven hours sleep or I need eight hours sleep, think about things in terms of sleep cycles and how many sleep cycles you need. That can be quite liberating because let's say you get in very late from a flight, you've still gotta be up at seven in the morning and you've only got time perhaps for five hours sleep. Think in terms of sleep cycles and can you perhaps get another sleep cycle later in the following day. Now, that's not going to be possible for everyone. Certainly athletes do this. They sleep in sleep cycles and they'll get a sleep cycle in at lunchtime if they need to consolidate their sleep or their training regime. But thinking in terms of sleep cycles can be quite liberating. And big tip here, and I'm going to attribute this to Nick Littlehell's book Sleep, which I'll link to in the show notes, is having a consistent wake time. And that applies for weekends as well, by the way. You don't want a sleep hangover uh, where you've slept in at the weekend, can't sleep Sunday night, and you start Monday morning feeling tired. Have a consistent wake time for all seven days of the week. And then reverse engineer from there what time you need to get to bed at if, for example, you're someone that needs seven and a half hours sleep. So that's five sleep cycles. So 7 a.m. you'd wake up at, f- sorry, 7 a.m. reverse back to 5.30, that's one sleep cycle. Four o'clock, that's two. 2.30, that's three. Three. 1am that's 4, 11.30 that's five sleep cycles. So if you're someone that needs seven and a half hours sleep and seven o'clock in the morning is your consistent wake time, you need to be ready for sleep at 11.30. Not in bed, but ready for sleep at 11.30. So tip number one, think in terms of sleep cycles, reverse engineer from there and have a consistent wake time. That will help you enormously. If you get in late under that routine, and you can't get to sleep till 12, maybe think about preparing yourself for bed so that you're ready to sleep at one and just get four sleep cycles. That could be better for you because you won't wake up at seven o'clock halfway through a sleep cycle. I hope that makes sense. So that's tip number one. Number two, start your day with stretching. This does two things. It boosts the parasympathetic nervous system and it also helps reduce blood pressure, which is something you definitely want. Both those things really important first thing in the morning. Now the parasympathetic nervous system relates to um, a branch of the body called the autonomic nervous system there are two branches one is sympathetic one is parasympathetic sympathetic is your classic fight flight and that's our stress response whether that's good because we're in the gym pushing ourselves or bad because we're under enormous amounts of stress at work that is sympathetic dominance parasympathetic is your classic rest digest and we ideally want to move between those two branches, but be predominantly parasympathetic dominant. So we're not always in a stress state. So starting the day with stretching, and there's no real formula to this, just get up, put your arms above your head in that overhead stretch, stretch your arms out to the side and a T-shaped stretch. Maybe fold forward and let your arms and head hang between your legs. Just be careful when you come back up, you don't get a head rush. But just, just some gentle lunging, light stretching, really great way to start the day kick off the parasympathetic nervous system, reduce your blood pressure, feel good. Another tip is to combine that with maybe a five or 10 minute meditation sequence, five to 10 minutes of breathing, or combine the two things. That will start you off really nicely for the day, just for a five or 10 minute investment. Tip number three, get natural light into the eyes, onto the retina as quickly as possible. This will help boost serotonin, that feel good neurotransmitter we talked about, and will help kickstart your circadian rhythm. So I believe this, and I've heard it said by a number of experts that the quality of your sleep in the evening is dictated by how you start your day in the morning, how you kickstart that circadian rhythm, how you have a, how you start the day mentally. You start the day stressed, it's not going to go well. You start the day feeling relaxed, blood pressure low, parasympathetic dominant. You're much more likely to have a good day, make good decisions, and get a better night's sleep that evening. So get natural light into your room as quickly as possible. Get the blinds up, the curtains open. If it's appropriate, open the window, get some fresh air. And that is a great way to kick off your day. So tip number four, take regular breaks from your screen. It's I've explained what impact screens have on melatonin suppression, but this is a massive issue now. I mean, we are pretty much glued to our devices of one sort or another. Many of us have office jobs where we're re- relatively sedentary. Um, And we are in front of screens. I've worked with clients in in the finance industry where they're in front of two or three screens because they're traders Uh, And it's a huge huge issue. A lot of them get headaches, um, stress headaches um, And that's often quite a short-lived career for a number of reasons But taking regular breaks from your screen can really help um, prevent melatonin suppression so Getting up every every hour would be ideal. Uh, one of my colleagues sets an alarm on her phone so that she gets up every 60 minutes, just walks around the office, maybe does a bit of phone rolling, um, just get a little bit of movement as well. So that's the other thing, combine small movements with that break from your screen. Um, ideally, get outside and get some natural light or sunlight as well, super important. Um, but getting regular breaks is going to help you with your sleep patterns as well, just taking a break from those screens. I also, um, read a study that that looked at a group of office workers and looked at those who smoked and those who didn't. And at the end of it, they discovered that the people that smoked actually didn't experience or report to be feeling as stressed as those who didn't smoke. And they put that down to the fact that the smokers were going out and taking regular breaks. So whilst I am in no way advocating that you take up smoking as a way of relieving stress, because that's a complete fallacy, um, and obviously extremely poor advice, um, taking breaks clearly has a benefit and most smokers will go outside with other people who are smoking and they'll also have an opportunity to have a laugh perhaps gossip just relieve some of the pressures and boredom perhaps of their daily jobs so taking regular breaks is tip number four tip number five is to avoid working out after 6 p.m and this this is because this increases sympathetic dominance so it puts the body into a stress state which is not good as part of your sleep preparation. But it also increases body temperature, which is also not what you want when you're trying to prepare your body for bed, even if that that is a few hours away. However, studies have shown that the optimum time for most people to exercise is between 4 and 6 p.m. So it's quite close to that cut off time. And this is for a number of reasons. Um, Testosterone is at its highest, which helps with energy and growth and repair. Um, Body temperature is at its highest. And protein synthesis is at its highest. So if you're doing a strength workout, for example, all of those things are going to be very good for hypertrophy and muscle building. So optimum time is between 4 and 6 p.m., but avoid working out after that if you possibly can. If you find that that's the only time of day you can exercise and it's that or nothing, I would suggest not scrapping the session, but see if you can move it forward a little bit if possible, certainly at weekends. So that's tip number five, avoid working out after 6 p.m. Number six, one of my favourites, it's called a sleep staircase. Have or create for yourself a sleep staircase. And what this is, it's a metaphorical concept that we've thought about, which if you can imagine a staircase in front of you, um, moving down from left to right, on the left there's you coming in from work and you're at the top of that staircase and at the bottom of that staircase is you in bed at bedtime, whenever that might be for you. Now, what a lot of people do is metaphorically throw themselves down the stairs By doing everything, um, working, managing all the other household stuff, not really allowing much time for themselves to relax and then getting into bed and expecting to go straight to sleep. So metaphorically throwing throwing themselves down the stairs into bed. It's simply not going to happen. You need to let the body wind down, unravel a little bit, unpack some of what's going on in your head so that by the time you get to bed you're in a really good place and ready for sleep and parasympathetic dominance. So our concept of the sleep staircase is is taking a number of steps to prepare you for bed. So I'll tell you what mine are, for example. If I'm working from home or if I've I've been out at work in the office or with clients, I'll come in. And the first thing I'll do is change some casual clothes. I'll then do a to-do list to wrap up anything that didn't get done today so I'm focused for the morning. I'll then shut off alerts on my devices and close down my laptop. I will then eat an evening meal, uh, ideally not later than 7.30, but I'm trying to bring that forward actually after the advice of Alessandro Ferretti on um, an episode a few weeks ago. He said we should try and eat with three or four hours clear before dinner and bedtime, by the way. So I'll have a meal. Um, I will then watch some television, something that's on Netflix or that I've arranged to watch. You know, I won't just, just jump on and surf, um, but I'll put my blue light blocking glasses on. So blue light blocking glasses block out all that blue light that I've been talking about in devices, laptops, smartphones, TVs, and so on. Uh, I'll link to that in the show notes, but you can find those um, on, there's an optician actually in Cheltenham that Alessandra Ferretti recommended to me, and you can also get them on Amazon if you put blue light blocking glasses into Amazon. But I'll link to all of that in the show notes. So I'll watch TV with the blue light blockers on, I'll then do my teeth, I'll put a bit of lavender oil on my pillow, I might put some topical magnesium onto the major muscle groups because that's good for sleep and for calm and for muscle repair and recovery. And I'll read a bit of fiction um, and go to sleep. And by the time I've actually got into bed, finished reading, turned the light off, I'm generally ready for sleep and I fall asleep within about five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten minutes. So that's my sleep staircase. So it's not, you know, pyjamas at six o'clock and bedtime story by half seven. But you can see there that each step it's just bringing me closer into a sleepy state and that's what I would really recommend you take from this if nothing else is the sleep staircase too many people are trying to get into bed when they are unprepared for sleep and then they struggle to get to sleep or stay asleep so sleep staircase number seven um, one way of getting the body and your body temperature ready for bed is to have a bath around 90 to 90 minutes before bedtime not any closer than that because then you'll be too hot So body temperature and the temperature of your room, your sleeping environment is really important. You wanna be slightly warmer than your sleeping environment, your bedroom. But to help set that optimal temperature, try a bath 90 minutes before bed. You can add in some magnesium bath salts, Epsom bath salts, um, which have the similar effect than the topical magnesium I was just talking about. Uh, Magnesium is involved in 325 or more than 325 biochemical processes. So it's a really important uh, mineral Um, I find it great to spray onto the body, but you can add it into bath salts as well. And obviously we can consume it in in food products. Uh, I also diffuse lavender oil whilst watching TV. So you can get a diffuser. Um, I can link to one of those on Amazon. Uh, We just put a few, few, two or three drops of lavender oil and diffuse that into the air as well. So that just all helps build up, uh, get yourself into parasympathetic dominance and get ready for bed. So number seven, a bath 90 minutes before bed. Tip number eight is all about bedroom um, and how that's set up. The bedroom should really be considered a recovery room. Um, Obviously, there's two things that generally go on in a bedroom. We won't go near one. Um, That's for you and your spouse or your partner. But the other thing is that it's a recovery room. It's a place that we go to sleep, to recover, to repair. So that room should be set up as such. You want minimal, uh, minimal stuff in there, minimal distractions. So no TV. Uh, no lo- no clutter, no clothes everywhere, just a really tidy, neat environment. Ideally, blackout blinds, um, that will block out any light which can interrupt with sleep. So I also wear an eye mask just to block out any bits of light creeping under the door or around the blackout blinds, which are not 100% blackout. Um, blackout blinds are not that expensive to fit and there's actually something called blinds in a box, which I will also link to, um, which are fairly easy to set up, kind of temporary blackout blinds, that you can try. Um, Light apparently disrupts sleep even when it it hits the skin, because of the receptors in the skin. Um, There's lots of lengths you can go to with this stuff, but really blackout blinds and an eye mask as well should block out most of the light and not disrupt your sleep. We talked about a little bit of sprinkling of lavender oil on your pillow, which works really well for me no emfs electrical and forces so no phones no tablets nothing in the room nothing charging if it is have it on flight mode or at very least apple have a do not disturb setting so that nothing in terms of alerts is going to interrupt you the messages will be there when you click on the phone but they won't beep buzz ding or whir so at very least do not disturb but ideally turn off your wi-fi and your bluetooth as well otherwise those devices are there kicking out a signal looking for wi-fi and bluetooth all the time that can have an impact on you and your health Uh, the respected physician in the us dr mccola actually said that holding a phone to your head and then removing it by one foot not more reduces 80 percent of the harmful effects of emfs in mobile phones so that gives you an indication of how um, toxic essentially those devices are you do not want them near you while you're sleeping or while you're waking for that matter so a hands-free unit is is hugely beneficial no LEDs flickering in the room either because that's light and it disrupts sleep. Minimal amounts of noise. Uh, you want the room cooler than you are. So making sure that you're a little bit warmer than the room and perhaps you need to look at bedding as well, seasonal bedding. Um, if you find that you're hot at night, it's probably because you've got the wrong type of duvet uh, and also make, make sure that it's not, you're not allergic to it. So a lot of people have problems with their, their bedding. So that's tip number eight. Tip number nine, I've mentioned this in my sleep staircase. Read fiction. Really good for relaxing the mind. Um, You don't want to be reading anything work-related. Ideally, an actual book rather than a Kindle, um, unless you have the type of Kindle that doesn't kick out blue light. If you do, you have one of the more expensive Kindles, blue light-blocking glasses will help sort that problem out. But I had a habit of of reading business books just before bed, and I found that it it was undoing a lot of the good work that I'd done in the sleep staircase. It was unpicking some of that. Um, You don't need to be reading about business and, and having ideas and thoughts and perhaps kicking off some worries so just read something that's fiction and the last one number 10 what happens if you wake well what i've noticed people do most of all is they reach for their phone this is absolutely the worst thing to do you'll pick up a message that marks you thinking about work or something else Um, your brain is automatically uh, awoken by the blue light Um, so it's stimulated which is not what you want when you're trying to get back to sleep. So leave your phone in the other room so it's not tempting to reach out and think, well, I can't sleep anyway, I'll just I'll just scroll through Facebook or Twitter. Phone in the other room. What you should do is either have a 10-minute read, ideally with the book, and practice some breathing. So deep breathing really helps me to get back to sleep. I find that hugely beneficial. Try and clear your mind. Meditation is a great way of doing that. And if you download Headspace or Calm, which are the two apps I have, there's loads of stuff in there for free, but you can also sign up. Again, I'll link to that in the show notes. They do lots of little two, three, four, five four, five-minute, even ten minute meditation sequences all around sleep. So sometimes you can do that before you sleep. But if you wake up in the night, try that um, instead of of looking at your phone. Um, Think about sleep cycles as well. If you do find that you've woken up, move forward to your next sleep cycle and just go through your mini staircase again, getting ready for that cycle. So using that previous example, I think we had a sleep cycle that started at 1 a.m. If you wake up at quarter past 12, rather than tossing and turning, maybe uh, get up, do a little bit of a breathing exercise, um, use the loo if you need to, and then come back to bed about quarter to 2, and then start getting ready for that 1 a.m. sleep cycle. And that way you'll wake up at the end of, natural end of a sleep cycle as well, and you won't feel groggy. So it's just quite a liberating way of, of looking at sleep, really. If you have a bad night's sleep, try not to worry too much about it as well. It's not gonna be the end of the world. Um, maybe you can just lighten up your schedule the following day a little bit, uh, or you could catch up the following evening. So it's, it's also counterproductive to worry too much about, about getting to sleep at night. And just lastly, um, I wanna talk very briefly about the use of self-monitoring devices for, for tracking sleep. They can be helpful to track the impact of lifestyle changes. So if you are making modifications to your lifestyle and you wanna see how they're affecting sleep, then having a self-monitoring device can be really good for for seeing whether or not it has affected your deep sleep, your REM sleep, or your total sleep, or your sleep latency, how quickly you got to sleep. Um, I use something called the Oura Ring, which has been one of the most accurate devices. Um, Stanford Sleep Lab actually tested it and found it to be super accurate in terms of their data. Um, We, partner with URA and you can use the code BODYSHOT2017 to get 10% off if you go to www.ouraring.com that's O-U-R-A ring.com and use the code BODYSHOT2017. I'll link to it in the show notes. But that is the best device that we recommend for tracking sleep. There are others at different price points so by all means shop around. And I'll leave you with two book recommendations as well. I refer to one of them. It's a book called Sleep. It's a little book, but it's very good. And it's by a gentleman called Nick Littlehells, a renowned sleep expert. He's worked with Manchester United, many different sports teams, athletes and executives. And the other book is by a coach called, uh, sorry, Sean Stevenson. And the book is called Sleep Smarter. That is also extremely good. So um, you can find those books on Amazon, but I will also link to them in the show notes as well. That's it for me. Thank you very much for listening. Um, If you've enjoyed the show, please do leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, We really appreciate that. Thank you for listening and have a really great week. Thanks for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, help us to reach more people by leaving a rating and a review on iTunes. We would really appreciate that, and it would help us to spread the good word even further. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you on the next show.